0: Here, would you pray for the missionaries that we support and pray for TFF and pray for our time in the Word this morning?
1: Father, I thank you, God, for those that you have called into
0: thank you, Father. a
1: full-time service, God, that they're dependent upon their income, Father, from you, from donors, God, and I just pray, Father, that these families not, would not be in lack. I pray, God, that you would bring upon new new givers, Father, people that would sow into the ministry Father, and their individual Father, and then for all the ministries, God, that are uh, just dependent upon the income of others, God, I pray that you would lay it upon the hearts of your people, God to continue to give, to continue to go forth, that the Great Commission would continue to go forth, God and I lift up Brian and Jennifer to you, God, and this new little one, Father, and we thank you and we praise you for that, God, and pray that you would just um continue to fan the flame that was within them and Joe and Kijo, God, and Michael and Megan and Jimmy and his wife and Peter and Molly and Mark and Kelly, God and their families, Father. I pray that you would give them new and creative ideas, God, to be able to continue um, to see lives change, to see souls one father and that we know that the harvest is great god and i thank you for this fellowship god I pray father that the word that would go forth would never be tainted god that it would never be watered down i thank you father for all that would hear father however they hear lord i pray that chains would be broken god that lives would be changed father and we know that the, do- the days are growing dark god so we pray in the name of jesus father That our roots would grow down deep father that you would add to our numbers god those that aren't truly walking with you god would surrender their lives to you god pray father that you would strengthen rob as he leads as he brings the word father i pray god that you would just continue to fan that flame that call that is within him father and um, god i just lift up our time to you today lord i pray in the name of jesus god that as your word goes forth that there would truly be a ripe harvest god that we would um, experience conviction, that we would move forward, God, that we would lift your name high above all other names, God, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let
2: your worship do it. Greater than all my sins. How can a song describe it? Virtue of my face.
0: Father, how I pray that that is the cry of our hearts, Lord. The Holy Spirit, you would lead us. God, that we recognize, Lord Jesus, that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and that we are done chasing feelings, Lord. Done chasing and living out of the flesh that never satisfies Oh God, if we're truly believers, we've been awakened to a new life in you, Lord. A full life, a life in abundance. So Jesus, have your way among us and in us and through us, Lord. That we will live for you, God. Lives that have been gracefully broken, Father. Your grace, O God. The power to transform us, Lord. Your mercy that is extended to us, Father. The freedom that is found in you, Lord Jesus. I pray for those today that do not know you. or They don't have a sure hope in you, Father. Pray that today would be the day of salvation for them; that their eyes would be open, that they would truly see, Father. Their rebellion towards you, and that they would humble themselves before you, Father, as your loving kindness draws them to repentance, and that they would call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. That they would come. So Father, have a bold confession and belief that you are the Son of God and that you rose from the dead. This world needs Jesus. So raise up your people in this final hour, Lord, that would stand and stand therefore then firmly grounded and rooted in Christ, not retreating, not giving up or giving in, but advancing your gospel, your kingdom, by your power for your glory, Lord. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. 500 some odd years ago on this day, Martin Luther, a monk, called by God to shake history, to turn the church upside down by exposing the institution of the church and what the church was becoming. Today is Reformation Sunday. We're commemorating the day 500 years ago when a monk named Martin Luther nailed the 95 theses to the wooden doors of the Wittenberg Chapel, protesting that excesses of the church. It was a world-changing moment in history that ultimately impacted the way we view and practice the Christian faith. And not many people know about it. The Reformation, the calling that this monk had to, to expose the lies within the church. He had to resolve. He had to make up his mind to be about his father's business. When everything in the world and in the institution of the church was telling him to sit down and to be quiet, he stood up. And oh, how we can take comfort in his example that as we continue to (laughs) move forward in these final days leading up to the return of Christ, that we wouldn't back down That we wouldn't be quiet, that we would stand up and that we begin to expose the fruitless deeds of darkness. The spirit of this age, the spirit of deception within the institution of the church and within the world itself is increasing. And so many people are deceived they're walking in complete rebellion towards the Creator, the Holy God. Because they are born as we were born into sin and the nature that is a complete rebellion towards Him. But yet God, if you are in Christ, because of his loving kindness, he drew you to himself, led you to repentance, and to believe and have a confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that He is risen from the dead. And that belief and that confession I've been encouraging you should shake you to your very core. It is His grace, as the song was sung over, us, as we're in Scripture and we understand, it is his, by His grace That we can be transformed. His grace is not the license to keep sinning, but to be transformed. How does he transform us? By changing the way we think. We're no longer thinking on the, the, the ways of the flesh, the world. Now we're thinking upon life and upon his word. To resolve the second R. Been holding up these three R's. We're about to enter into November. We've been hearing these three R's over and over and over throughout this year repentance, resolve, release. Hopefully, you're putting them into practice. Hopefully, you're beginning to sense a move of God within you and upon you and through you that you are maturing, that you are growing that you're having a more hunger and a thirst for righteousness. And if you're not, don't blame God. It's you. You've heard truth over and over and over. And you're not just to be a hearer of the word, but you're to be a doer of the word. So to resolve, to decide firmly on a course of action, to make up one's mind. Scriptures I've been laying out for us to hope, I pray, are encouraging you into resolving Philippians 4.13. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength to make up your mind, to decide firmly that you're not living in your own strength, but in His. Psalm 118, verse 6 through 8. The Lord is for me, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Yes, the Lord is for me. He will help me. I look in triumph at those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 through 25. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs? But only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that fades away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So get up each day, resolve, make up your mind to run to win. Galatians 5 verse 24 through 25. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. To decide firmly, to to make up your mind, to walk in the Spirit. And what does that look like? Do you even know? Do I even know? Are we truly seeking Him? Are we true, truly allowing the old ways to die and begin to bear fruit of a new life? Romans 6, 11 through 12. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin, but alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Romans 6, verse 11 through 12. To resolve, to make up your mind daily as you're living, as you're going forth through your day. To consider yourself dead to the power of sin, but alive. Listen to that. To God through, not of your religious works, not anything that you can do, but through Christ Jesus. So do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. The old man, the old woman shouldn't have rights. A dead man, a dead woman has no rights. You're dead. That's how you're to resolve daily as you're going through life. You're a dead man. You're a dead woman. And dead folk have no rights. You live through Christ. You are a new creation. You have been born again. The new natures of the spirit of God. God himself in you. And we're called not to live a life that grieves him. I keep encouraging us that we are behind enemy lines. Because this is what the word of God says. We know again that apart from Christ. That all of us are born into this world. And complete rebellion towards him. We are bent towards rebellion. And we understand that the enemy, John 10.10 tells us, he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life and abundance. We understand that the word of God tells us it's the enemy that is blinding the eyes of the unbelievers. We understand that when you think of being in rebellion towards authority, the ultimate authority of God, their lives, those who are in complete rebellion towards Him, they give themselves over to the created. They are enslaved and in bondage to Satan, the ruler of this world. They're enslaved, they are in bondage to the world systems. They're enslaved and they're in bondage to the flesh that only desires death. And that keep encouraging us. Oh, that we would awaken to truth. And that we would be passionate to go forth and to share this truth with others. We don't hate the the world. We don't hate those in bondage to flesh. We don't hate those who are still enslaved and suffering under the rule and reign of the evil one. Because if it wasn't for the Lord, we would be right there with them. But we are to go forth and the burn among them to be the light, to be truth to point them to the way for them to be reconciled back to their creator through Christ. Through Christ. And we're going to be hated for that. On this day of evil, when the world is coming together to celebrate evil, when Satan is exalted on this day, God, help the church to be pure, to not be tainted, but to be able to stand in truth for every day. Every day. <coughs> Satan is real. And I know the world, and I know his deceptive ways is to lured people into thinking again that he is this horrific-looking creature. But he's not. He is a beautiful creature. And he can parade around as the angel of light. He deceives many. He's running amok within the religious institution. He runs it. He doesn't mind you going to church. He doesn't mind you having a Bible. He doesn't mind your little prayers and your little posts. What he minds is if you're truly dead to him. And dead to this world system. And dead to yourself. But alive in Christ. He hates Jesus. He hates God. He, his desire is to rise up above the throne of God. He never will. He ultimately knows his end. So he is wreaking havoc, destruction throughout the earth. Causing people to raise their their hands and their fists towards God as if God's the problem. Do you understand, as believers, the world in which you are in and the world in which you are called to go forth and represent the kingdom of God, to advance his kingdom it's just not church, you all. It's just not church. If it was just church, Martin Luther, that monk, wouldn't have got up 500 some odd years ago and persevered up those steps of that chapel to nail his theses. To expose it. It's just not church, you all. It's just not you know some religious form to have If it was just that, our brothers and sisters would not be enduring persecution today. If it was just another form of religion, the world wouldn't mind us. Have and do whatever you want. But Jesus is hated among the created. The creator is hated. They do not desire to be with the creator. They settle for the created. And how sad. How sad. You're up against a very evil. Demonic. Rule and reign. Each day that you wake up. And that's why each day you wake up. You cannot rely on yourself on your little scripture knowledge, on you doing all your religious duties, even saying the name of Jesus and going about your day, and you're making it all about nothing because you don't truly believe. And you say, well, how do I know if I believe? You would obey. (laughs) If your belief brings forth no obedience, you don't believe. That's the reality. Not because man says, because Jesus has said. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not obey my commands? Jesus speaks of the evil one. His time is coming, I must depart, but he has no power over me. Do you understand whom you belong to? Do you understand how you should be living? And if you don't, would you just wake up? Repent. Resolve. Release. Press in to Christ. Press in to his purpose and his kingdom. Jesus, when he came to this world, he came to do the Father's will. We're not greater than Jesus. We should be doing the Father's will. Each and every single day, there is a way in which you are called to live. And it's not under the guise of Christianity, like, okay, I'm a Christian. No, no, are you a Christian? Do you believe? Are you obeying? People hear the truth of the gospel and the enemy comes in quickly to try to choke it out or to snatch it out. Is your heart of good soil? Did you get up today? Did you, did you come in to, to fellowship? With a good heart. Did you pray for the condition of your heart this morning? Knowing that you were going to hear the word of God. Is your heart daily throughout the day being cultivated? be good soil to receive truth. See, if you're just getting up, clicking on a computer to turn it on, showing up just to sit in a chair, and that's all you're doing, you're deceived. And the evil one has you in his grips. And so I want to focus on scriptures today. To encourage you to persevere into resolving, but to understand the spiritual realm in which you are called to war against, not by your might, not by your power, but through Him. The Bible says to submit yourself, therefore, then to God and resist the enemy. And He has to flee. I've been saying for quite some time now, you should be engaging in warfare. You should be desiring to to grow and to mature in warfare. Because it's not letting up, it's only increasing. And it's going to continue to increase until the Lord returns. And so if you're not actively engaged in warfare, you're defeated you will begin to follow doctrines of demons. I mean, look at the world around you. Look at what's happening overnight. Look how this demonic deception is just running amok and it is just unbelievable how everything upon the earth is changing and changing quickly. Evil is rising up. And it looks good. once that once, once that which was evil, once was looked as dark, but now it looks like light. You wake up, you go to bed and you wake up the next day, and it's just even worse. And if you're not along with that agenda, you're a problem. I mean, for goodness sakes, look what's happening. We got a a, a commercial out now just for a candy bar promoting transgenderism with a little boy. Little kids are viewing this. And not only that, they then tie in the demonic realm with it. With him being protected by a witch. And everyone applauds it. And the sad thing is, is that a lot of people applauding it are calling themselves Christians. Oh, there's nothing wrong with it, they say. How can that be? Except their hearts and their minds and their eyes are blinded. We're seeing the all-out at- on attack on the next generation. The younger generation being exposed to the filth and being pressured to respond to it. I don't know about Christian parents nowadays, but God, I pray for them. And if they're not praying with their children, if they're not opening the Bible with their children, if they aren't teaching the way in which they that should go, the world is teaching them. The enemy is teaching them. Listen, we've got to be mindful you don't want to give people the and demand them to live and act as if they're in the kingdom if they don't have the king. We're not going forth demanding people to live right. We're calling people to repentance and to accept Jesus. And a lot of Christian youth, you talk to them, they have no concept of that. They have the concept of the institutional church. Which is not impacting their lives, and they don't know how to stand and stand there for then when they're being bombarded with all this nonsense that's out there. Because they don't know how to war. And so they're defeated easily. And how sad. We've got to do a better job. We've got to be equipped with truth instead of just laughing and going along with deception. we got to stand up, knowing good and well you're going to be hated. I mean, for goodness sakes, we have a teacher taking a group of elementary school kids to a gay bar. And she feels that she's altering history by doing that. And she's proud. We have the Baptist Church in Indiana... Who just ordained the first transgender pastor? You've got all this stuff going on in the world. The level of the occult is rising up. And right behind it is perversion, right behind that is strife and murder. I watched a scene the other day on a packed subway in New York. This guy gets on, acted a nut. And then begins just to punch this woman with grown men standing around her and no one's doing anything. All because the lady, I believe, just asked him to give her some space. (laughs) The level is increasing like nothing that we can even comprehend. The pandemic is running amok. Financial institutions. I mean, just the economy alone in our nation. But look around the earth. And listen, it's time to wake up. It's time to decide. Either you're in Christ. Or you're apart from Him. The line is drawn. Not because man has drawn it. Because Jesus has drawn it. You're either with Him. For him or you're against him. There's no middle ground. You should be submitting yourself daily to Christ. And then learning to resist the enemy. And not caving in and bowing down to temptation. He makes a way out of every temptation. And if you're caught up in hidden sin then get right before God. And if you're caught up living just however you want, get right before God. Because He's coming. He's coming. And His wrath is going to hit this earth. And God help those who are not in Christ, who have not entered into Christ, who are not seated with Christ. Do you know your identity? Because if you're a Christian, it's in Christ. And what does that mean? Not just turning on your computer for church, not just coming and sitting when it feels right to you and you have the right time and the schedule to do it, but truly desiring to be in Christ, to be in fellowship, to be a part of a community To encourage, to edify, and to build each other up. Iron sharpens iron. We're in the middle of a war. I keep encouraging us, do not be like those virgins whose oil, whose lamps did not have enough oil. Are you prepared? Because he can come at any moment. Direct combative warfare, you all. The enemy. is running amok. And our battle and our fight is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers and the principalities and the air of the darkness. Do you understand for the past 31 days, those who are awakened to that spiritual realm, who are serving Satan, their master, They've been fasting, they've been chanting, they've been meditating, (laughs) they've been putting into practice what they have received and what they know, all to affect the preaching of the gospel. They specifically target local churches, and this isn't just make up stories This is a past that the Lord has delivered me from. When I was involved in the occult, and I keep encouraging us throughout the years, it is so sad that the church, Christians, are ignorant to that realm. Because they've been deceived by the enemy. And yet the enemy has awakened his troops and have given them insight and understanding. That's why God has called you out of darkness and to his marvelous light, that you are to be a good soldier, not entangled up with civilian affairs, but learning to die to yourself, to pick up your cross, and to follow him, to advance his kingdom and his purpose each and every single day of your life until you are reunited with him. And that's why you will hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter in to my rest. This isn't a time to rest. This isn't a time to get comfortable. It's all out war. It's all out war. And you can point your finger and this and that and this and that and look and this. But if you're doing nothing about it, then all you're doing is nothing. You're just irritated by what you see and yet you're lacking the power of Christ to impact a generation. And you say, well, what can my life do to impact the generation? Great things in Christ. If you're seeking him, don't let the enemy lie to you that you have, uh, you have no value and no purpose. When I keep encouraging you that God prepared you for today and the days to come. As long as you have breath in your body, you have a purpose for God on this earth. To impact this earth with truth. So seek him, and you will find him if you seek him with your whole heart. Go to James 4 7. Scriptures to encourage you to persevere. James chapter 4, verse 7. Here we go. So humble yourselves quoted this earlier, before God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. 1 John 4, verse 4. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already, listen to this, Make up your mind, resolve to decide firmly that you will take this scripture, 1 John 4, 4, and let it not just be words, but action in your life because your thoughts are set upon it and it's changing you to understand that you belong to God. You have already won a victory over those people, because the Spirit who lives in you is greater than the Spirit who lives in this world. Oh, and the church should say, Amen. 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 Second Corinthians chapter 10. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. again these are scriptures to encourage you to persevere listen I, I can't force you I can I can't only point you to Jesus I can't force you to to meditate upon these weekly but oh how you should take these scriptures from today and sit with your Bible open with the journal next to you begin to to begin to to, to seek Christ for truth to apply these truths to your life what do they mean? How are you to live them? How they how should they be impacting you? And how can you carry it forth to impact others? To truly take the word. Just don't hear the preacher preach. But live out the word. First, second Corinthians chapter ten, verse three through five. We are human, but we do not wage war as humans do. We use, listen to this, God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the stronghold of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture the rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Oh, did you hear that? This is how you're to be living. This is who you are now. You you can't rely on on your, your, your flesh any longer. You can't rely on the traditions of a religious institution that brought you no freedom. There's a lot of people sitting in church today in religious institutions and they're not free, and yet somehow we're comfortable with the fact that they're saved. And they're not saved, they're lost. They're damned to hell. God's wrath is coming, and it's going to swallow them up. Don't be satisfied because someone is sitting in church. If there's no fruit of repentance coming from their life, they've been deceived. They're following doctrines of demons. And oh, how we got to wake up. Oh, how we have to... Wake up. I know that's not the, 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 what everybody wants to hear nowadays. We're happy that Johnny is sitting in church. But it's making no impact on Johnny's life. You can't be happy with that. And you say, well, at least he's hearing the word. And yet he's hearing the word and nothing is transforming him. And while you idly sit back in his life and not encouraging him to truly come to Christ, people will fight and die for the religious institution. But they won't fight and die for Christ. And how sad. They will fight you and toe-to-toe with you over the religious institution rules and bylaws and this and that and the form of it all. (laughs) And yet when you expose the lies within that institution, when it's leading millions and billions throughout the earth astray from the truth of God's word, God help us. God help us. Well they love Jesus, do they? Do they really? On whose standard? We gotta wake up, you all. If Christ isn't revealed, they are lost, even yet though the word is preached. It's the revelation of Christ through the living word. It's the empowerment of of the working of the Holy Spirit that draws people to himself. And did you hear the scripture? We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds, listen to this, of human reasonings, and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture the rebellious thoughts and listen, teach them to obey Christ. 1 Peter chapter 5 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 through 9. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him. And be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. Listen to what Scripture is telling us. Stay alert. Watch out. For your great enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the earth, all over the world, is going through the same kind of suffering you are. Come on. This isn't, again, just some type of, hocus-pocus type of religion, just another way of life here on earth. No, you have been granted the right to be adopted into the family of God. If you come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, you can call him Abba, Daddy, can live in the assurance that you are sealed until the day of redemption. There is a way in which we are called to live now. And it's a life that is surrendered to Christ and Christ alone. Isaiah chapter 54 verse 17 Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17. But in that coming day, no weapon formed, I'm sorry, no weapon turned against you will succeed. You will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. These benefits are enjoyed by the servants of the Lord. Their vindication will come from me. I am the Lord. I, the Lord, have spoken. The weapon will be turned against you, but it will not prosper. The Lord has spoken over his servants. There's a confidence in which you can walk in and the authority in which you can walk in. Not in and of yourself, it's nothing pointing to you towards yourself. I see a lot of people on social media, a lot of people, these self-proclaimed prophets and spiritual warriors. <laughs> and how sad. They talk a good talk. But the fruit of their work is just to, for them, their name, their lives, their anointing. how sad how sad it's not about your name and it's not about your anointing it's about Jesus it's pointing people to Jesus teaching them to obey you can shout all day long you can say and do whatever you want and it may look right (laughs) right But if there is not obedience in your life, something is wrong. Go to Ephesians chapter six, verse eleven through seventeen. Put on on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore... Put on every piece of god's armor, so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing you will be you will still be standing firm, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of god's righteousness for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the firing arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The armor of God. It just can't be a mantra that you repeat and hopes to be protected. You can't turn scripture and make it a mantra just repetition over and over and over in hopes that somehow we're not, we're not of the wicked, evil ones who have created this the, their systems that are under the, the rule of Satan. No, we're servants of the Most High God. And what He has established is in place. We don't have to twist his arm to do it. It's done. Are you walking in confidence in the God in whom you say you belong to? You're serving. So many times it's twisted that somehow he's to be serving us. Do for me, God. Do for me, God. But if you know you God... You're to be doing for him. Not to obtain salvation because salvation is already obtained through Christ. But becoming born again, works come from that process. So you're not working towards being to be saved. Your works come from being saved. You're producing fruit in your life. And if you have no fruit in your life, you're not saved. We must awaken to truth. Stop peddling a false gospel out to people. As if we had done the right thing. In reality, we haven't. We haven't. We go along with their coarse jokings. We go along with their desires and everything. And we're like, oh, well, you know, just, just pray, okay. Well. And we do these weird things with people instead of just giving them truth. <clears throat> and not truth in a way that beats them up, but just truth. Truth in of itself is going to expose their rebellion and at first they're not going to receive it. But the reality of Christ And the love of Christ that draws sinners to repentance. Truth. There's a realm in which we'll love nothing more than to keep us down. A world system in place to enslave us. And a flesh, a nature that is out for our destruction. But God so loved us in the midst of all of that that he came for us to show us that there is a way out. You choose. I told you before, I sat there, well, sat here, that chair, young guy right there in that chair. He wanted to tell me, he like he's coming out. He was gay. I let him speak. And then I reminded him. Listen, do you realize that you don't love God? I remember him just looking at me. You coming out to me does not change God's love for you. And my love for you, I love you. He loves you, ultimately. But do you realize what you're saying? You're telling me you don't love God. And I know you're going to hear out there this and that and this and that. Somehow God gives you a stamp, his stamp of approval. (laughs) But no, what you're declaring is not freedom at all. You're just enslaved to what you've heard and what you know to be true, but you've given in to. So don't blame God. As you go and you embark on this journey, don't blame God. Oh, how I pray that you would come and turn to him because he's not leaving you. He's going to pursue you and he's going to remind you of his great love day in and day out. But understand your position and what you're claiming is that you hate him that's your choice that is your choice but don't blame God it's because of his love he sent Jesus to set you free he knows exactly how your nature is bent and it's only through the love of Christ and the acceptance of Christ that you are in a relationship with God. So do not fool yourself and allow the enemy in the world to fool you into thinking somehow you're right with God because you're not. Do you have conversations with yourself like that and then with others? Or do you just go along with them? A young boy gave me a big hug afterwards. He says, I know God loves me, and I know that you love me. I'm always here for you. But I'm not going to sugarcoat it, I told him. This is the truth. You could choose to do whatever you want. But in the end, you will have to answer for it. You would have to answer for it. Yes. And as it is with any, t- any sin... The gossiper, the backbiter, the drunk, the one with the anger problem, when sin is in control, when we're outright living in complete rebellion towards God, don't be deceived. You're not loving God. You're not. It's all about surrender and obedience. Check your heart. The Bible tells us Romans chapter 8 verse 37 Romans chapter 8, verse 37. No, despise all these things. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. The victory is found in Christ and in Christ alone. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. But thank God. Thank who? God. He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Apart from Christ, you have no victory over sin. Sin is mastering you, and sin is not to be mastering a believer. doesn't mean you won't sin, but when you do sin, you don't remain enslaved to it. You get up, you repent, you press sin, be free. I pray that we would have a more desire for freedom than we do sin. Why Isn't it crazy when you go and you hold someone accountable about the sin that is so easily entangling them, they fight to remain enslaved to it. Oh, we gotta wake up to the spiritual realm. Think about that even in your own life. When sin is crouching out your door, when temptation is beckoning and calling, what is the first thing you do? Most likely it's not to call upon Jesus, it's to start giving you a way to it. Is it really that bad? Will they really ever know? I mean, does God really say? And maybe you don't give thought of it at all. Maybe you just give right into it. And you're in a vicious cycle. A tormenting cycle of destruction. But the victory is ours through Christ. Oh, that we would know Him. Oh, how rich He is. And the freedom that is found in Him. You don't have to remain a slave to it. To shame and to guilt and to condemnation. No, you can boldly come into his presence because of Christ. And when you know him, your failures don't have to continue to define you. His victory is what is to define you. A few more. Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 4. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. Then he said to me, "This is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It is not by force, nor by strength, but by my spirit," says the Lord of heaven's armies. It's not by your strength and it's not by your power. It is through the power of Christ. Second Thessalonians, We're all over the word today. Second Thessalonians. Oh, how I pray you're learning how to use your sword. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3. But the Lord is faithful. Who is faithful? The The Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. Luke chapter 10 verse 19. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. God has given us the power to live upright, amongst a crooked and wicked, perverse generation. John 10, 10. I quoted it earlier, but let's take a look at it. John 10, 10. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and to destroy. These are Jesus' words. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Matthew chapter 18, Matthew chapter 18, <laughs> verse 18 through 19, I tell you the truth, Jesus' words. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I also tell you this if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. Jesus' words, the power and the agreement of prayer with believers. To stand firm, you all. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 7. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 7. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter from you in seven. The Lord will conquer your enemies. He has conquered them. The enemy is defeated. So no matter what's pressing up against you, no matter what's ahead of you this week, stand and stand there for them. If you're in Christ, if you're in Christ, you're not going to be able to stand. Oh, that you will run to the altar of God, As you are led by the Spirit of God, as He is drawing you because of His loving kindness towards you, He's revealing Himself to you through Jesus so that you will be saved. John 16, verse 33. The last scripture I want to give you to encourage you. And you say, Why do you give us so much scripture? Because you're bombarded 24 7. You're under attack from the enemy. The world systems want to enslave you, your flesh wants to destroy you. And apart from him, you could do nothing. Oh, how I hope you're feasting off of the word and that you're hiding it in your heart so that you may truly live. John 16, verse 33. I have told you all of this, Jesus's words, so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. There's only one way out, and it's through Jesus. And oh, how I pray that you are found in Christ. Oh, how I pray if you're not in Christ, you would just receive Christ. It's just as easy as that. Faith like a child. Oh, I could stand and lead you in this long prayer. But if your heart isn't right with God, if you're not drawn by God, they would just be words that mean nothing. You say, well, how do I know when I'm ready to receive? Just you asking that question in and of yourself shows the working of the Holy Spirit within you. He's drawing you to Christ. Stop resisting Christ. Stop resisting Christ. The Holy Spirit, stop holding up your fist towards God. Receive Him. Recognize that you are a sinner in complete rebellion towards Him. Believe upon Jesus, the Son of God, that God so loved you that He sent His one and only Son to rescue you, to save you that He is the Son of God, and that He bore your punishment upon the cross, and He rose on the third day and delivered you from that which has held you enslaved and in rebellion towards God. That belief and that confession alone saves you. It transforms you. You're born again of a new nature because in and of yourself, You wouldn't come to that understanding because you are blinded by the enemy. But God has released the enemy's grips off of your life. And victory has come through Christ to redeem you, to set you free, to cover you with His blood. And you have hope today, no matter what your circumstances are and what you're going through. You have hope today that tomorrow will be different. And you can live and not die. And that you can get up and be transformed as you are led by the Spirit of God. As you take the steps to be baptized and then take the steps to be discipled to obey all of His commands. That's the way of His kingdom. We're going to gather before we get into our other portions of Scripture today for communion. And as Norma comes to pass this out and those who are watching, if you have your elements to take, would you begin to gather them? But let's hold off taking them until we take them together. But I'm going to allow this song to to be played over us. And oh, how I pray that you allow the Spirit of God to examine your heart, that you would repent for any unrepentant sins. And that you would call upon the name of Jesus if you never have, and be saved. And we'll take it together and we do this in remembrance of our King.
1: represents Lord God and that we would truly do it in memory of that sacrifice Lord we thank you for what this represents and we thank you for who you are in Jesus name amen,
0: amen. take the breath
1: Carrie would you pray over the cup? Father, so many promises in the power of the blood of Jesus. And God, we claim those promises today. And we submit to you under the power of the blood, the life-changing power of the blood, to heal, to transform, to make a way, to be the payment for sin and reconciliation unto you. So we take this, as the word of God says, in remembrance. In Jesus' name take the cup.
0: Amen. Thank you, Father. 2nd Samuel chapter 12 picking up today. 2nd Samuel chapter 12. <clears throat> Walking through scripture in hopes to know our God better, learning of him, trusting in him. We pick up here, David's fall. We read last week, here he was, the king that God selected. He was a man after God's heart. He was a godly man, but he gave in. He gave in. And I've always told you when you give in at that moment, you're saying basically God isn't enough. If David would have thought upon God. If David would have remembered God. (laughs) He wouldn't have looked upon Bathsheba with desires. He wouldn't have killed not only her husband, but other soldiers to cover up his sin. And now David is going to be confronted He thinks he has covered his sin. And God is sending forth the prophet Nathan to rebuke David. Chapter 12. So the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to tell David this story. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich and one was poor. The rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but one little lamb he had bought. He raised that little lamb and it grew up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate and drank from his cup. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. One day a guest arrived at the home of the rich man. But instead of killing an animal from his own flock of herd or herd, He took the poor man's lamb and killed it and prepared it for his guests. David was furious. As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole and and for having no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are that man. The Lord, the God of Israel says, I anointed you king over Israel and saved you from the power of Saul. I gave you your master's house and wives and the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. And if that had not been enough, I would have given you much, much more. Why then? Have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed? For you have murdered Uriah the Hittite with the sword of the Ammonites and stolen his wife. From this time on, your family will live by the sword because you have despised me by taking Uriah's wife to be your own. The Lord is speaking to David. David, you have despised me. (laughs) This is what the Lord says. Because of what you have done, I will cause your own household to rebel against you. As you have rebelled against me, basically, Mm -hmm. now your household will rebel against you. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I will give your wives to another man. Before your very eyes, and he will go to bed with them in public view. You did it secretly, but I will make this happen to you openly in the sight of all of Israel. How does David respond to this? His sin is now exposed, the rebellion within his heart has been dragged out into the light. Then David confessed. What a beautiful picture of repentance. He didn't fight back. He didn't have the prophet killed like a lot of other kings did. He didn't raise his fist up to God. He didn't think that it was wrong for what's been pronounced over him. No, he confessed. I have sinned against The Lord, Nathan replied, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you. And you won't die for this sin. Nevertheless, because you have shown utter contempt for the word of the Lord, by doing this, your child will die. After Nathan returned to his home, the Lord sent a deadly illness to the child of David and Uriah's wife. David begged God to spare the child. He went without food and lay all night on the bare ground. The elders of his household pleaded with him to get up and eat with them, but he refused. Then on the seventh day, the child died. And David's advisors were afraid to tell him. He wouldn't listen to reason while the child was ill, they say. What? drastic thing will he do when, he, when we tell him the child is dead? When David saw them whispering, he realized what had happened. Is the child dead? He asked. Yes, they replied, he is dead. Then David got up from the ground, washed himself, put on, the, put on lotions, and changed his clothes. He went to the tabernacle and worshipped the Lord. After that, he returned to the palace and was served food and ate. His advisors were amazed. We don't understand you, they told him. While the child was still living, you wept and refused to eat. But now that the child is dead, you have stopped your mourning and are eating again. And David replied, I fasted and wept while the child was alive. For I said, perhaps. The Lord will be gracious to me and let the child live. But why should I fast when he's dead? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him one day, but he cannot return to me. Then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and slept with her. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and David named him Solomon. The Lord named the child and sent word through Nathan, the prophet, that they should name him Jedidiah, which means beloved of the Lord, as the Lord had commanded. Beautiful picture. And yet, in the midst of such tragedy and such brokenness, in the midst of sin and contempt that David showed towards God, God yet again reveals his gracious, loving, forgiving nature. So many times we, we think that we have been forgiven and then somehow we won't suffer consequences from what has happened in our lives mm-hmm. that we caused by our sin. Yes. You can still be forgiven and still have to endure the consequences of your actions. And David and his family will begin to suffer the consequences of his actions. But that does not strip God of who God is and the position that God has over David's life. Because David, if you haven't read Psalms 51, we've read it before, but go read it this week. It's prayer of repentance before God. God is still with David. God is still acting on behalf of David's life and family, but ultimately God is faithful to His word. And that ultimately the Messiah will come from this throne. And the throne of the Messiah will last for all eternity. Because God again is faithful to what He has already purposed and planned. Man's Ways and man's failures are not going to thwart God's plan and God's purpose. Verse 26. Meanwhile, Joab was fighting against Rabbah, the capital of Ammon, and he captured the royal fortifications. Joab sent messengers to tell David, I have fought against Rabbah and captured its water supply. Now bring the rest of the army and capture the city, otherwise I will capture it and get credit for the victory. So David gathered the rest of the army and went to Rabbah, and he fought against it and captured it. David removed the crown from the king's head, and and, and it was placed on his own head. The crown was made of gold and set with gems, and it weighed 75 pounds. David took a vast amount of plunder from the city. He also made slaves of the people of Rabbah and forced them to labor with saws, iron picks, and iron axes, and to work in the brick killings. That is how he dealt with the people of all of the Ammonite towns. Then David and all the army returned to Jerusalem. John chapter 16. John chapter 16, Jesus' words. I have told you all these things so that you won't abandon your faith, how the world is going to hate them. (laughs) Jesus has laid it bare before not only them, but before us. And those who are following Jesus know what's ahead for them. In this world, you're going to be hated, you're going to be despised, you're going to be rejected. But yet you're called to go forth and to love them. To be the hands and feet of Jesus, to serve them. So I have told you all these things so that you won't abandon your faith. For you will be expelled from the synagogues. And the time is coming when those who kill you will think they are doing a holy service for God. This is because they have never known the Father or me. And yet these people are sitting in the temple under the instruction of the word of God at that time. And yet they don't know him. Think of that. He goes on, yes, I am telling you these things now so that when they happen... You will remember my warning. I didn't tell you earlier because I was going to be with you for a while longer. But now I'm going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking, where am I going? Instead, you grieve because of what I told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I have to go away so that he will come and listen to the purpose of the Holy Spirit. He will convict the world of its sin. And of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the Spirit of Truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own, but will tell you what He has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. In a little while, you won't see me anymore. But a little while after that, you will see me again. Some of the disciples asked each other, what does he mean when he says in a little while you won't see me, but then you will see me And I'm going to the Father. And what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand. And Jesus realized they wanted to ask about it. So he said, are you asking yourselves what I mean? I said in a little while you won't see me, but a little while after that you will see me again. I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn into wonderful joy. It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor. When her child is born, her anguish gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice and no one can rob you of that joy. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth. You will ask the father directly and he will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. I have spoken of these matters in and in figures of speech. But soon I will stop speaking figuratively and will tell you plainly all about the father. Then you will ask in my name. I'm not saying I I, I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you dearly because you love me and believe that I came from God. Yes, I came from the Father into the world, and now I will leave the world and return to the Father. Then his disciples said, at last you're speaking plainly and not figuratively. Now we understand that you know everything. And there's no need to question you. From this we believe that you came from God. And then Jesus asked, Do you finally believe? The time is coming. Indeed it is here now. When you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. He's about to head to the cross, you all. Yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus has not abandoned them. He has not abandoned us. He is fulfilling and doing the will of the Father. And now that Christ is seated on high, We have received the Holy Spirit, those who have been born again, being led by the Spirit of God in order to accomplish the will of God in our generation. Psalm 119, verse 65 through 80. Psalm 119, verse 65 through 80. Oh, the joy that we can find in Scripture and the hope that we can find in it. 65 through 80, the psalmist pens, You have done many good things for me, Lord, just as you promised. I believe in your commands. Now teach me good judgment and knowledge. I used to wander off until you disciplined me, but now I closely follow your word. You are good and do only good. Teach me your decrees. Arrogant people smear me with lies, but in truth I obey your commandments with all of my heart. Their hearts are dull and stupid, but I delight in your instructions. My suffering was good for me, for it taught me to pay attention to your decrees. Your instructions are more valuable to me than millions of gold and silver. You made me. You created me. Now give me the sense to follow your commands. Mm -hmm. May all who fear you find in me a cause for joy. For I have put my hope in your word. I know, O Lord, that your regulations are fair. You disciplined me because I needed it. Now let your unfailing love comfort me. Just as you promised me your servant. Surround me with your tender mercies. So I may live. Follow your instructions. For your instructions are my delight. Bring disgrace upon the arrogant people who lied about me. Meanwhile, I will concentrate on your commandments. Let me be united with all who fear you, with those who know your laws. May I be blameless in keeping your decrees, then I will never be ashamed. Oh, do you hear the richness that is found in what has been penned and saved for us to be able to read and to meditate upon that we would respond as the psalmist responds when we are being disciplined by God, not to turn from God, but to turn to Him and allow Him to work in and through us His purpose, His plan, and ultimately giving us a hunger and a thirst for righteousness and obedience. Proverbs 16, verse 4 through 5. Proverbs 16 verse 4 through 5 I will leave you with this with these nuggets of wisdom The Lord has made everything for his own purposes even the wicked for a day of disaster The Lord detests the proud they will surely be punished Unfailing love and faithfulness make atonement For sin, by fearing the Lord, people avoid evil. Oh, that we would have the fear of the Lord. That we would resist the enemy as we are submitting to God and allowing the victory of Christ to be that which marks our lives and the fruit that comes forth from our lives to honor and to give God all the glory. I'm going to close this with this song and then I'll close us in prayer.